And the time to start, if you're not living your dream, is right now. Start setting goals and setting out where you set in the course of your life and setting it all up so that you get somewhere in the future. When all that comes together, something happens called fulfillment. If you are not experiencing awesomeness in every aspect of your life, it's just from an internal block or barrier disconnect that you've chosen to take on. Life is as easy or as hard as we want to make it. And I got my hands and my eyeballs and my heart around any information I could around holistic healing. And that led me down a never-ending rabbit hole of which I'm still spelunking into the depths of. I needed something like ayahuasca to really wake me up because I was very rigid and very stuck in my ways and very structured and controlling. And my first ayahuasca ceremony cracked my ego in a billion pieces. And uh, that's when I believe when you when we really follow our deepest truth, when we really follow our soul, when we really follow our true calling, the universe rises to support us moment to moment to moment. Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential. And it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, and help you to embody the greatest version of yourself as I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Greetings and welcome to another episode of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. It is my honor and pleasure to continue bringing the most cutting edge and thought-provoking information in the fields of holistic health, natural nutrition, alternative healing, personal development, spirituality, and conscious living. This podcast has been providing conversations between myself and the world's leading experts in the fields of research that are contributing to the changing of the planet and providing empowered strategies for how to live life on your own terms and how to upgrade your mental, emotional, and physical health so you can become the single most optimized version of yourself in all areas of life. I hope you enjoy this exciting episode we have lined up for you, and it can directly benefit you in your personal goals. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. My name is Ronnie Landis, and today I am joined by a special guest, a very good friend of mine and colleague over in Encinitas, California, over in the San Diego area. And this woman is an absolute powerhouse in more ways than one. She And she's also just a very good friend and a dear sister. And not Harry. You know, what, what can I say about Anat, you know? Um, well, what I will say about Anat before we start is that she's worked amongst some of the most highly respected spiritual teachers and trailblazers in the fields of wellness and self-development, which include Deepak Chopra, the landmark organization for over a decade, and many, many others. Um, she really, she really considers herself a self-love coach and a transformational performance coach. And one of the things I would like to say before we jump, we jump right into it is out of a lot of the colleagues that we have and the, the contemporaries that we have in the San Diego area, we, there's a really amazing kind of niche community in the, the North San Diego community of just amazing entrepreneurs um, health and wellness advocates and leaders, self-development and really mind, body, spirit and uh, you know just conscious focused human beings that are up to a lot of amazing things and they rave about a knot and I can absolutely see why, which is why I'm having her on the show to really dive into some really essential territory in personal development, spiritual exploration, and really the, the, the mystery of love, I think, is really ultimately what this is always taking us back to. So welcome to the show, Anant. Thank you, Ronnie. Good to be here. Hi, everyone that's tuning in. 
Yeah, you know, um, we've been talking about doing this uh, interview for quite some time. I'm so happy it finally lined up for us to do it now. And, you know, before we dive into really the, the, the I guess, the, the meat and potatoes or the, the avocados and cucumbers, as I like to say, um, <laughs> the, you know, we dive into a lot of the content that I want to get into with you because I have some questions and I want to get your take and your perspective on it. But before we do that, can you just maybe update the audience on the work that you do, how you see the work that you do, and and how did you get into this work in the first place? Okay. Well, I'll start by saying how I got into this work. So I've been in the self-development space, as you um, shared a bit about, uh, for the past, gosh, 13 years, Um, spending 10 of those really getting to my to my getting myself to a place where I felt a I had the tools to get people there quicker than ten years, and it, the work never ends. But meaning enough where my life actually looked transformed. It didn't look the same. I wasn't tending to the same weeds, trimming weeds over and over again. My garden actually was blossoming with things that I wanted and desired in my life. Um, so it, it's been. Um, something that I always knew that I was here to do is to serve others in this way. It just uh, took a long time, but necessary. A lot of great training, um, all in perfect divine time for me to be able to get to this place where I knew that I can pay it forward, that I can guide people through um, with the with the best tools, the right tools uh, for them to see uh, lasting transformation and to get to the depth of what is in the what is in the way of them having what they want uh, to get to the root of it quickly I forgot your other two questions <laughs> yeah no I, I love that and I, I really value that explanation especially because in the personal development industry there is kind of this revolving door of going through programs and coaching and and it's almost like this this um the rungs on the ladder we're constantly seeking the next rung and the next rung and the next rung to be to get somewhere right or to become the person that we we know we are inside but maybe we don't feel totally complete we don't feel like we know enough or we've gotten there yet. So there's always something new to get or to learn. And I've seen this, this theme in the, the personal development world where there's just kind of this revolving door of programs or this revolving door of information that people seem to almost get like locked into and they never quite get out or many people never quite get out of that. It's almost like seminar syndrome, right? Where someone is constantly going to the seminar, but they don't necessarily implement the principles to, to have true transformation. Yeah. Well, you, you hit upon a, a few really great thing, points with that. First of all, um, there, there's a lot of great uh, information out there, a lot of great knowledge. Most people, though, are not absorbing it fully in because the first step is actually more not so much of learning as much as it is of unlearning and actually making room. So I still work with, um, with heal. I don't really do any programs or, or I, I work one-on-one with mentors or energy healers right now. But uh, it's to tap me more into my gifts. And I actually have room to receive all that. So my advice to those listening, if you're just embarking on your journey or if you're looking at the next book, the next seminar, the next coach, it's like you don't need more information. You actually need to do a program, and that's the work that I take people through, of clearing out what's in the way of you being able to actually know yourself as worthy, powerful, connected, trust, trusting yourself, trusting the wor- uh, the, the universe. Um, and then you'll actually get a lot more from whoever you do work with after that. And you'll be more selective as well. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That brings up something I wanted to talk to you about, which is this idea of letting go of control. And I think that's part of what almost for me is built into the the undercurrent of what you're talking about, because one of the themes I think that's going on for a lot of people, it's happened to me in different ways. It's still happening. There's a deconstruction process. There's a disorientation. There is almost a shaking up of the old structures, whether those are 
material structures. Maybe it's a particular business or a job or a relationship, or it is a paradigm. It's a thought process and emotional patterns that we have become accustomed to that create an identity of who we believe we are based on who we used to be. And we kind of drag all that with us, even though we're trying to change and we're trying to create transformation or we're trying to evolve, but somehow sometimes we can drag like a, like pounds of our past with us and it tends to weigh down us or slow us down on that process. So I guess my, my question in a way is how do we, how do we, um, let me, let me, I'm, I'm attempting to rephrase this in, in a, in a straightforward question. It might not, it might not be a direct question, but I want to get your take on this, this theme of how do we let go of control? Because that seems to be what has to happen, right? We have to let go of our little control mechanism and that can be really, really hard to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I just wrapped up a, a retreat two days ago in, in Idlewild, California. Um, I take people through five and a half days of uh, clearing what's in the way so that they can actually get to that place of surrender. So there's, there's a lot in there um, that's connected to that. It's, it's, it's not just like, Oh, you know, surrender and let go or have that mantra. And, and that may be it depending on what, where you're at in your, in your journey. Uh, uh, I'd say first and foremost is really to reestablish a connection to yourself um, to, uh, there's a lot of people that aren't even being connected to their body, you know, the, to their emotions. So everything is being controlled from here of thinking like, Oh, like something comes up and instead of really feeling and trusting that the body actually keeps the score <laughs> and that the universe actually, um, is a much stronger power and force than whatever you can think of in your imagination and in your mind. But most people, uh, even when they're going through the actual retreat and the healing work are trying to figure out what it is from here. They're trying to figure it out instead of feel it out. And so, um, you know, first and foremost, it's forming that reconnection, um, mind, body, and spirit, and, and learning to really listen to what's there. And that a lot of times when people are acting from a, a need to control, it's because they don't feel safe or they're in some level of fear. And so there's really to calm and tame that part of you and just, and, and, and listen and it's like I what in in the work that I take people through, what I'm really teaching them is how to learn to parent themselves, how to unlearn how mom and dad parented them, and accept and forgive and have compassion for mom and dad because they were handed those uh, set of beliefs just like they passed it on to you, and at the same time get the right learning so you know how to parent yourself. So imagine your child comes to you and they're freaking out about something. You need to know how to just listen and hold them and let them cry and let them be through it instead of telling them, you know, toughen up, kids, stop crying, which some of us, that's what we were programmed with, right? So we have things that happen to us that programmed us a particular way that then have us feel like we need to act from survival. And for a lot of people, their, um, their survival mechanism is to force is to control, is to go, 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 is to work the hardest to, you know, to, to make it happen because no one else will. God is not on my side. You know, the universe is against me. I'm all alone. Like all these hundreds of limiting beliefs. And that also, they're not necessarily negative. They're just limiting. You know, some of these beliefs could be, um, you know, uh, do the right thing. Be, be a good girl. Be a good boy. Um, you know, get it right. <laughs> you have to perform well for approval. So all these, there's just so many weeds in the garden, so many limiting beliefs that could be affecting someone's ability to really know that they can trust themselves. They can trust their intuition. They could be with themselves. They could be with their emotions and they could trust that there is a higher power. Call it God, call it the universe, whatever it is that is actually working, conspiring for you and that you should be acting from inspiration, not 
desperation and fear. And that when desperation and fear comes up, it's actually an indication that like something in your system, some emotion is off. You know, your little boy or your little girl is crying and they need you to listen, to stop, to take a pause, to be with that, to feel your feelings, to actually feel where you feel that, which ties me to something else that um, came up a lot in in the beginning of the retreat and we were retraining people on. Uh, A lot of times what people think our feelings are not. It's their imagination. This feels so hard. One of my clients said at some point this weekend, and I go, where do you feel that? Where in your body do you feel that? He's like, oh, I don't. I go, so you imagine Mm. that it's hard. Mm. So how much are we, it's actually our mind creating, imagining this instead of something that we are actually feeling. And the power of actually how we language that creates some freedom. So then when he was like, I said, so you imagine that it's hard. He's like, yeah, I imagine that it's hard. Oh, wow. Like the instant freedom that he got because he saw that it's not actually doesn't feel hard. He's imagining that it is. So if you're imagining that it's hard, what else can you imagine that it is? And right there, he switched from being in survival and stuckness to creation. And if it was something felt in the body, well, then feel that. If he said, oh, I feel that here. Okay. So when have you felt that before? What is that connected to? Oh, I remember feeling this way for the first time when I was in third grade and da-da-da, right? And just allow yourself to feel it. And what's the emotion that didn't get to be expressed, that wants to be expressed and released? Instead of going to the mind to say, how can I figure this out? How can I not feel this way? Why do I feel this way? The famous analysis paralysis that paralyzes us. Why do I feel this way? When is this going to stop? Why, 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 why? And the why just keeps you disconnected from it and paralyzed, right? Because when we're disconnected, we are paralyzed. And um, so to really stop the need to figure it out and be in our head and more trust and feel and surrender to the being that we are, not the doing that we are, but the human being that we are. And keep that connection going. Mm. This is so powerful. There were so many things. First of all, I was doing that this morning. I just, I just realized, like, man, analysis paralysis. Well, not not so much that, but the the imagination of overwhelm. Now, not to say that I didn't feel to some extent in my system overwhelmed, that there's an accumulation of 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 energy that had built up and just kind of got over the tipping point. But realistically, there were just a few few details that I was dealing with. And I just, I was like, man, I feel overwhelmed. And I just, but it wasn't so much of just like acknowledging the fact that I felt overwhelmed in that moment. It was like, it, it was like, I'm almost imagining what it's like to be overwhelmed 24 seven. And then, and then that kind of creating the sensation of just being flat out overwhelmed instead of me being overwhelmed in that moment. Like in that moment, it's legit, but it doesn't have to become a perpetual experience. But I can see where I was, I was, uh, it was almost like, no, it's actually exactly what you said. It wasn't even that I really truly felt overwhelmed to begin with, because I really didn't feel that overwhelmed, but I imagined I did. Mm-hmm. And then, but it wasn't a genuine feel. I didn't, I didn't cry. I didn't make that connection until this yeah. moment. So I, I didn't realize like, wow. Um, or I'm realizing, I should say in this conversation, like, wow, we oftentimes will use our imagination to contextualize a feeling that we're not genuinely having, but then we, we almost like create the simulation of the emotion and that and that brings up more stress right yeah i mean the the mind does not know the the difference between imagination and reality mm-hmm. so let me take you through exper- through through uh, an experience of this and everyone listening could also tune in so i want you to close your eyes and picture you're in your living room 
And uh, you get up and you walk towards the kitchen. So whatever your house looks like, living room, kitchen, just see yourself getting up off your couch and walking over into the kitchen all the way to the fridge, opening the refrigerator door and you see a bowl of lemons. I want you to grab a lemon out and uh, you close the, the uh, refrigerator door and you walk over to the counter and you place the lemon on the cutting board and you take a knife and you cut that lemon in half. And then you cut that lemon again in half and you take that piece of lemon and you bring it up to your mouth and you take a bite. Now, what just happened? Did your mouth get all watery? Did you feel like you bit into that lemon? Uh-huh. Yeah, you can open your eyes now. How real did it feel? Well, I, I was also aware that I was, I was, so like there was levels of awareness. I was kind of aware that I was, I was simulating an experience, but my, but I did salivate and I could, I could easily um, be in that experience. Yeah, that's how quickly our imagination can create something as a real experience that actually wasn't real, that didn't come from experiencing first and then being like, oh my God, I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling sad. That's actually more first generated in our imagination. So it's a very key, important distinction as we deal with, you know, everyday things in our lives or especially I see that it comes up in relationships where it's, you know, you could be like, you make me feel this way or I feel that way. And it's like, well, do, do you feel this way? Or are you imagining that? Are you creating that? And a lot of times we're, we're, we're recreating over and over again from our original script, whatever we learned uh, from mom and dad by what we saw, what we felt and what we heard from them the first seven years programmed us, imprinted us. And I, I call that script. And you are the writer, director, producer, and actor of uh, that script. And you're always, you're always performing. I mean, as long as you're alive, the show must go on. So you must play some role. And then you hand people scripts to play roles in your life. So how many of you that are tuning in right now see that you've been dating the same woman or the same guy, <laughs> just a different, um, you know, say, same character, just different person. There's a reason for that. You keep handing them the script. You keep teaching them and telling them how to treat you. So anyway. Uh- no, that's that's fantastic. I think that that point that you just ended that that on is something I'd like to actually expand upon because um, that is a real phenomenon, right? And if we're not growing and we're kind of staying the same person, just switching switching uh, stages, so to speak, switching casts and characters, then we're gonna take we're gonna we're gonna recreate the same situations, the same circumstances and challenges with the different cast of characters and stages. So it looks different. So it's almost like we get the optical illusion. Illusion, exactly. Especially in the novelty of it. And that's why people hop from one person to another, one job to another, one business opportunity to another, because there's a novelty. There's that initial stimulation, like falling in love. It's like, oh, it feels so good. But then... The, you know, the, the same patterns persist. So I'd like to actually talk about how does the subconscious and unconscious mind play into this? Because if, if we are recreating largely circumstances and situations under different um, visual designs, if you will, but we're continually recreating it, then how does one start to go into the operating system to really get a handle on the program and start upgrading the software? Great. Well, to sum it up, come work with me. (laughs) Um, Just being honest, not saying mine's the only thing out there, but um, well, so we start by first, I like to use the analogy of the garden, right? So, uh, becoming aware, like awareness is the first step of actually what is there, what has been running the show. And um, in my work, you know, we, we look at the areas of, of, of your development, the areas that if you were fully functionally developed in, um, you'd be operating as a fully functioning adult. So that's uh, self-esteem, self-esteem, 
expressing your needs, your wants, setting limits and boundaries, uh, being accountable for your feelings, for uh, being connected and accountable for what you're feeling and able and being accountable for expressing that and being responsible, not only responsible in how you treat yourself and your actions in, your, in the world, but how you react to people. And what is under each, what, what affects your ability to be functional in these five areas is anywhere from 100 to 300 possible limiting beliefs. So, um, you know, there's a handful of beliefs that usually people can think of on their own. Like, I'm not good enough. I don't matter. There's something wrong with me. You know, I'm not lovable. But there's actually a lot, a lot more. So, you know, I hand you that list (laughs) so that you're able to really start to see. I guide you through some visualizations to bring you back to... Um, what did you learn from mom? What did you learn from dad? You know, let's let's rewind uh, and watch the movie and have you just observe yourself as a little boy with mom and dad and what is it that you learned for you to start to identify because that's when you were imprinted with those. That's That's when your subconscious, unconscious mind was programmed is in those years. So we have to open that up uh, it's important to have a safe space to do that in because for a lot of people, some of these things are very um, traumatizing to some degree or another. And so having a, a safe space to know that you can go there, that you can remember. How many times do I have a client in the hot seat or as I like to call it, the healing seat in my retreat and they're like, I don't remember anything before the age of 10. I'm like, okay. Well, let's just go with it. And as soon as they start to feel safe and and actually drop into the body, because the memory of all this stuff is not just in your subconscious mind, but it's it's actually more in your 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 energetic body, your emotional your, your emotions in in your cellular memory. And as they start to reconnect and feel safe in their body and safe to feel whatever it is. Suddenly a memory pops up. Oh, whoa, I haven't thought about that when I was three years old. Da, 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 da. And uh, so, but it's important to have that safe space to open up Pandora's box mm-hmm. and know that you're not just going to get sucked into it and eaten alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's to uncover what's there. And then there's the actual ways to start to release it and clear it out. So again, there's the emotional body where a lot of times maybe something happened when you were, let's say three years old and you didn't, uh, and you wanted to cry. Like you really just wanted to like ball and cry about it. And instead you, you held it in because if dad saw you cry, he'd be like, toughen up. What's wrong with you? You're fine. Right. Or if mom saw you crying, you know, or you wanted to cry for mom or whatever it is, some emotion, energy in motion wasn't expressed or wasn't fully expressed in a way that you can now see it as an, as an adult that has uh, a fully developed brain that has logic. And so it's about, Uh, allowing yourself to complete whatever wasn't completed, to allow yourself to move that energy, to to feel that emotion, but not from like a place of reliving it, more from a place of sitting, you know, of of observing your little boy going through that experience and holding his hand through it. And it's like, it's okay to feel that. And like, the awareness that we have now, the knowledge that we have now as adults wouldn't have us view what happened as necessarily the same way. And so a lot of times in a lot of programs, what I see is people go back to their younger years and they remember a memory, but they logically justify it mm-hmm. instead of feeling it like, Oh, like for me, for example, um, my father very loving man. My parents are still married, but he worked. He was a workaholic. He worked 16 hours a day the first seven years of my life. I hardly ever saw him. And uh, I remember speaking to him about five years ago before I delved into this mind, body, energetic, emotional work myself and having a conversation with him because I suddenly had that memory come up. I was working with a coach 
And I was dealing with coming out of a five-year relationship, heartbroken. And the coach gave me an exercise. He said, I want you to come up with 10 loving memories with men in your life, starting with your father. And I'm like, I can't think of any with my father. And suddenly I realized, I don't know how much time I... Because again, I as well didn't want to remember anything from those years. So I was like, I don't have any memories prior to the age of 10, right? Uh, or seven. And uh, so I remember calling my dad and asking him some questions and being like, dad, what do you remember about our time together? And he remembered the exact same three memories. You watching my brother play and I, um, your brother and I play soccer, uh, car rides to your grandparents' house and playing at the beach. So really only one of those three was just he and I. And I said, did you work a lot? He's like, yeah, I worked 16 hours a day. Sometimes I'd come home, not even eat dinner, you know, get up and do it all over again. He, he was a controller for a hotel. So, you know, hotels are 24-7. And I remember saying to him, he's like, was I a bad father? And I said, no, dad, you, you did what you knew, thought was best. You, uh, you know, you, you took care of the family so that mom could be at home with us. And, you know, it's not too late for us to have a great relationship together. And I thought at the time that that solved it, that logically I justified uh, and, and, you know, rekindled and talked to my dad about it and that that was enough to put that in the past and that now we could focus on a great relationship. And no. <laughs> there, it, it, it's not about the adult me because I know that my, it's not that my dad didn't love me or that I was invisible. And these are some of the beliefs that came out of that. You don't matter. You're invisible. Men will always choose something else over you. And so guess how my relationships with men went? Exactly like that. They always ended up choosing something else over me, whether it was video games with my high school boyfriend or their work or other women. And I made it okay because that was part of my script. Here you go. Here's a script. Play it out. So I, it, it's not enough to just logically justify it. You have to bring that awareness and that knowledge, but allow that part of you that was really hurt, that did need the love, that did need the, that attention at that time, fully feel and complete that. So being connected to the emotional body too and where that's stored, it's like holding that little boy's hand and guiding him to not be trapped in that experience, but you know, re reconnect with you, come back to wholeness with you today. So does that make sense? It makes more than sense. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely on point as far as I can tell. And one of the things that I want to, I want to piggyback on that and get a, get a further take on is I know for me, especially this, I think this is more symptomatic of men in general, but I also think um, a lot of women are feeling this too, because there is this, this micro amount of PTSD. There's, there's low level trauma um, that is really built into the actual nervous system. And there's this thing, there's this phenomena where somebody can normalize to the stress response and it, and they, they just manage it kind of like what you're saying. Like instead of completing the process, we kind of just, it becomes our normality. We manage it, we kind of moderate it, but we don't fully get through it. And so the sympathetic nervous system can actually get locked. Mm -hmm. And we, we actually get so used to being in that fight or flight mode that we don't even realize that that's actually what we think we're relaxed or like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm relaxed. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, but it's like, you can tell the visceral somatic kind of reality of somebody that's very high strung. And I know for me, and this is leading to my question. Um, there have been many times where I've, I've had a lot of energetic release or there's triggers or there's just a lot coming up that I wasn't prepared for. And the, the nervous system and whatever else is going on chemically is being kind of like, um, uh, it's almost like the feeling of being hammered chemically by all this emotion. And then that, that, that thing locks in place and it can be very hard for me to access my genuine emotion. That's where the imagination can come in. Like we were talking about before of imagining having the emotion, but being unable to access in that moment, 
the genuine emotion, whether it's, it's, it's some kind of pain or sadness or sorrow or anger or whatever needs to be released in a, in a, in a responsible way. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm asking how can, if we do feel like it's hard to access the, the authentic emotion for whatever reason, um, what are some of the practices or perspectives that you've utilized to help somebody like me in that, in that case, you know, if I'm, if I'm in that particular case, maybe I'm triggered and it's like, I'm like having a fight with my mind and my heart, you know, we're on different pages. How would, how would we be able to access the emotion so we can, we could actually complete that process? Sure. Sure. Perfect. And actually that, that brings me to one of the other techniques that I take people through in my retreat, which is tension and trauma release exercise. It's a set of movements that get your uh, body reconnected to its natural therapeutic tremor response. So we are holding a lot of trauma, PTSD, um, fight or flight stuff from anywhere from something that happened yesterday to a week ago to 30 years ago. And it's all stored in the nervous system. And you're absolutely right. What happens is that people get used to that being their normal. They actually think that this is um, how their body functions, not realizing that they are in a heightened state. They are in constant fight or flight, always ready to fight or to flight and never actually having the time or the moment to connect to what's really happening. Because as we know, you know, if, if, a, if a, a bear chases you or if a car is about to hit you, like that, that kicks in and we need it to, we do, but we need to know that we can downregulate our system. So learning this technique and practicing it every day uh, uh, to downregulate the nervous system, it's not the only thing out there, but doing things like Tai Chi, which I think you probably practice, or Qigong, or breath work, but really doing techniques that specifically work on downregulating the nervous system. Why I like the tension and trauma release exercises, and I am certified in it, and if anyone wants to look it up, you could go to... uh, TRE, you could Google that, or tension and trauma release exercises. There's facilitators all over the, the world that you could learn it from. Is uh, that you're, the what happens is that the tremors start to come, your body starts to shake and actually release what's stored in there and have you down regulate. Um, you know, I, I do it the first first evening of my retreat, how we wrap it up. And people are like, I don't think I've felt this much in my body or slept as this good in so long. Because, you know, when you're in fight or flight, you're not in rest, digest, and repair. Mm-hmm. So people think, you know, they, they have digestive issues or sleep issues. No, you're just in constant fight or flight. And you need to, uh, you know, shake it out. And those of you that experience shaking at times... I want you to wrap your head around this. Shaking is actually good. Mm-hmm. So how many times do you say, why is, my, why is my arm shaking? Why am I shaking? And you go to stop it like as if it's bad or wrong. It's actually good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's your nervous system releasing all that. All mammals in nature do it. Those of you that have dogs, have seen dogs do it. If you're uh, ever out in a safari and you see, a, you know, if a lion started chasing a gazelle, the gazelle would go into freeze mode. Because the lion is actually not interested in eating in in, the, in eating the animal, just the kill. So if that animal plays dead, then the lion loses interest, and then the gazelle comes out of the freeze mode, and you'll see it shaking. You'll see it shaking all that off. We're the only mammals that have uh, turn that have the power to turn it off. So I invite all of you to turn it on, and whenever you feel like you need to shake a little bit or a lot, bring it. <laughs> Yeah, I was literally just thinking about that example with animals right before you brought that up. And that's such an important point because um, especially with our pharmaceutical model of medicine that we have, it's, it's all about sedation. It's tranquilizing. It's, um, it's, it's basically if somebody does have some kind of symptomatic reaction, maybe in this case, um, or maybe it's even um, you, can, you can translate that particular paradigm of medicine to psychiatry and, and um, 
you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of just like, it's basically this approach that society, our society is literally built from of numbing, numbing the emotionality, numbing the essentially the human expression. So the natural expression to shake it off. Like we've heard this so many times just in our, our normal reality. Like I even, I've had, you know, growing up in martial arts, I just like, it's like, as a guy, as a guy, you know, you get really upset, really heated. You want to get into a fight and they're like, cool off, go for a walk, cool off. And I never really thought about that, but there's an, there's just an intuitive kind of logic to that. Like, yeah, go cool off, go for a walk, shake it off. Like we've heard this stuff growing yeah. up, but now it's like, oh yeah, that's right. There was some kind of innate intelligence. Like when I start shaking it, like even right now I can feel like there's yeah. a discharge of Yes. Of chemical chemical energy that's pent up there, and that might be the most practical thing for everyone that is uh, receiving this message right now. Like right now, just go shake yeah. your hands off and see if you feel any better. You can feel yourself a little more. And it's not um, what's great about the actual exercises. Or I know sometimes when I do qigong, I'll actually feel it. And it's not the shaking that you experience of like muscle fatigue at the gym. It's not that. <laughs> um, it's it, it happens in a restful state. So right now to just shake yourself off may help release a little bit of it, but you actually that that you're going to get tired. Right, right. <laughs> That's not the way to do it. So I invite people to learn it. And the reason that I do it in my retreats is because it goes hand in hand with, okay, so now if I have them start to relax and release some of the things that have them go quickly into overwhelm, into fight or flight, and I'm down-regulating them back to a place where they know that they're safe to be in their body and connect to their emotions. So it all goes hand in hand. Uh, you Something else you asked me before about how, how do we, or one other thing that I didn't mention about uh, the subconscious mind, once you are aware of everything that's there, how to start to reprogram that. Um, so we talked about releasing it from the emotional body and the energetic body and the nervous system. And then there's, well, all the stuff, all the chatter that's up here. And, uh, you know, the state that you were in the first seven years of your life is your brain was in theta state. It was in a state of hypnosis. That's why it's so easy to learn language or learn two languages <laughs> by the age of three. You've got Spanish and English, you know, some kids speaking Spanish and English. How the heck did that happen? It's pretty amazing what our brains can do when they're in that state. So I take people through a technique to bring them back into that state. So drop their brain waves to that state of hypnosis so that it's suggestible. So we can start to command the release of those beliefs and replace them with the affirmations of what you want. Repetition. You know, you, you drive in a car right now with your girlfriend next to you and you're just hanging out and there's a song that always plays on the radio. You may not like it. You may not pay much attention to it. Yet two weeks later, here you are singing along. How did that happen? repetition so that's one of the other ways to uh reprogram the subconscious mind I, I love that and i love the distinction around the shaking obviously it's a much more structured and in-depth process um and i have actually have a few stories of mine i'm not going to go into them but i just thought of a few healing stories i've had under the influence of certain entheogens or with the didgeridoo and then the native american drums and in that altered susceptible state my nervous yeah. system actually went through a cathartic release that I didn't even expect. And it's like, it's like electricity flowing through. And then when I, when I got up, I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I felt completely liberated of whatever heavy dense energy that was stuck on me. Um, so definitely look deeper into that or just look and just connect with the knot for more information on that. But, um, you know, I want to, with the time we have left, I would be remiss if I did not, connect this conversation to the journey of love because that's what it's about right that's what this is all about we're all on an epic adventure trying to get back to the center point of who we are which is essentially the energy of love right so i know that you such a focus of your work in your life really is about this and i know that you have your own program particularly focused on that i'd love to just get your uh, your interpretation of what exactly in a knot's perspective is the journey of love and, and how can people make their way back to 
that. Yeah. Well, it's actually everything that we've been talking about for the past 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the journey of love as much as the journey to love, back to love, back to knowing yourself as love. So, you know, if, if what's filled in your garden are all these weeds and that's what you've been living in and creating fear and chaos and all that, and you start to tend to that garden and remember how beautiful and how open and how expansive you are as a creator that you can plant whatever you want in here. So the, the journey, uh, journey to love is through being willing to be with what is, what's in your garden, be aware of what it is uh, and start to clear it out through everything that we just talked about. You know, uh, uh, feeling safe, right? Creating down, regulating the nervous system, feeling what's there. A lot of times the journey to love is through feeling the things we don't want to feel, resentment, hurt, anger, 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 sadness. So, and as we allow ourselves to feel what's there, we're actually honoring our experience, honoring what is there. And on the other side of that, is the experience of love, is the experience of peace, is the experience of aliveness. Like what it is to be alive is to allow ourselves to have the full human experience. And the full human experience is not just rainbows and sunshine and butterflies, right? If you look at nature, it's not just today, it's cloudy in San Diego, but that makes us appreciate the sun more. If it was always sunny and beautiful, you wouldn't appreciate it. So the experience of aliveness comes when we allow ourselves to feel the things that normally we feel are going to make us die. And it doesn't kill you to feel these things. It actually reconnects you more to love. It is because you're honoring the being. You're honoring the experience that you're actually having instead of um, what do I do to stop feeling this way? Right, right. That oh my goodness. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone on the other end of a dialogue or um an argument or whatever saying, I don't want to feel this way, or as if like as if I'm responsible, or maybe I've done it too in the past. Mm-hmm. Maybe I wasn't conscious of that, where I've made someone or someone makes another person responsible for the way they feel. Um that's just an interesting one. I think that's a, that's a pretty deep rabbit hole as well. But I think yeah. it's ultimately what you, it's part of what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So again, just uh, starting with just even switching the language and seeing what that allows, because you are commanding yourself at every moment, a lot of times unconsciously, but bringing the awareness to that and being like, I don't want to feel this way, right? And instead of that, it's like, oh, interesting that I'm feeling this way. Mm. Just interesting. Just bring your awareness to it. Not, Don't make it wrong. Bring love and compassion to it and just be with it. Be with wherever it is, wherever that sensation is in your physical body. Oh, it's creating this tightness right now in my solar plex feels like a hard ball or it feels like heat. Mm. Oh, interesting that I'm feeling this way. And just keep observing it. And what you'll probably find is that you'll either have some kind of emotional release or that energy will move or dissipate and clarity will come, some insight, some memory, something, because the body keeps the score. Remember that. So everything is there. You don't need to think or figure it out. And Again, catching yourself, saying why, or how do I stop this? And it's like, oh, there's nothing to stop. There's only to be with it. Acceptance, love, compassion. And, and these practices, these experiences are what it is to be in love, what it is to be in self-love. So two other things on that, um, the, the journey of self-love uh, that, that I'd say for people to focus on is starting to be really mindful that your most valuable asset is your energy and your time uh, more than money, right? And who are you giving your energy to and how are you spending your time? 
and uh, really uh, being selective with that, really honoring that. And what's going to have you honor more of who and what you give your time and energy to is you learning to say no to things that you are doing that aren't, that don't make you feel good. Cause if you are, if you're already spending time doing things that you're not a yes to, you're not a hell yes to, you're not in enjoyment. You're actually in suffering. Guess what? You're going to make. Okay. More experiences like that. And when you really value your time and you only do what lights you up, then when someone comes and wants your time, whether it's they want to hire you or it's someone that just wants to hang out with you or someone that you're looking at dating, you're really going to be like, well, I love my life already. Like I'm in feel good state. So if I'm going to give my time to someone, uh, it's pretty valuable. And that's going to help those of you that aren't charging enough in your business to charge more money for your time and energy. Why? Because you have fun in all the limited time and energy that you have. So um, that's, that's that. Yeah. And self-care, self-care, put yourself first. You know, I just wrapped up my retreat on Wednesday and uh, caught a little cold from it because I was obviously giving for six days and trying to self-care as much as I could while there. And so yesterday, I just, I didn't respond to any texts. I didn't look at my emails, nothing. I just self-cared like a motherfucker. And and still today and this morning, and, um, and I feel, I feel great. It's moving through me, through me quickly and I have more and more energy. So really, um, getting how important it is to put ourselves first. I don't take any calls usually before noon, anything business related, um, because I, a lot of times need that time for self care. Or if I don't, I, I need to know that that time is for me. So those are some loving, loving practices. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. This has been an incredible deep dive with you. I'm really grateful that you made the time to share your valuable energy with all of us. And for everyone listening that wants to learn, they either get in contact with you or find out more about you and your work. Uh, yeah, you can uh, hit me up on Facebook. Uh, you can go to uh, my, my website's in the works right now, but you can go to www.trainingcampforthesoul.com if you want to hear more about the uh, next upcoming retreat, May 17th to the 23rd. And um, just, uh, you know, keep calm, stay connected, and love yourself first. Beautiful. Yeah. Ronnie, thank you so much for your time. I hope you enjoyed this fascinating episode of the Holistic Health and Human Potential show. Before you head off, I want to invite you to go to my website for further podcast episodes and tons of free content on holistic health, natural nutrition, and human potential. Please go to www.ronnylandis.net to find out how to take your health and your life to the next level. And also, I want to encourage you to leave a five-star review for this podcast on our iTunes page, which will help me in my mission to get these inspiring messages to millions of people throughout the world. I thank you so much for your support, and I look forward to continuing to provide amazing conversations and content on holistic health and human potential.